Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm looking good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is Friday, March 22nd, 2019. Um, we've uh, it's it's raining pretty hard, by the way. So if you hear that, or you hear my wipers, you'll probably hear my wipers, but you may hear the uh, the pitter patter of little raindrops on the hood, and uh, that's just the ambiance. So enjoy it. You can feel like you're driving through central Massachusetts with me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so we, we've gotten a few cards from, um, from Rise of Shadows. I, um, I, I'm not going to talk about them this week. Again, if, if you are expecting to hear that, uh, I mean, I've been pretty clear, but, you know, just to make sure everyone knows, I uh, do those card reviews over at the Happy Hearthstone. You will hear more than enough uh, about all of the cards on that two, three hour episodes, typically, um, that we, that we do together right after we see all the cards and we have full context. Um, I hopefully will have something that I thought was going to have this week, but you know, scheduling is difficult. Um, hopefully something next week that will kind of, uh, tide you over until then. Um, so as far as my ladder is concerned, and that's what I'm going to spend this whole episode talking about, because I found a deck that I am really super liking and I've been having pretty good results with so far. And so I want to talk about that and it may be something a little bit different and it's going to be something that you're not going to be able to play really after, after this rotation. And I don't think it's going to be good in wild. So, you know, smoke them while you got them. And, but this is, I've been having a ton of fun with this deck, um, over the last like several days. So, uh, there's a player, I believe it's Chinese called, or, or he might be, um, might be from Asia Pacific. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Named Sanagi, who has posted a, um, it is a Mechathun Druid that runs a giant anaconda and Stampeding Roar. Now, if you don't remember what either of those cards are, I don't blame you. Um, Stampeding Roar is a six matter spell that says summon a min, a beast from your hand and give it rush. And giant anaconda is a seven mana five three beast for Druid that says summon a minion with attack five or more from your hand. So the typical game plan of Mechathun Druid is that you go ahead and you draw through your deck and then you typically want to go Mechathun Innervate Naturalize. And that's great, except that people run uh, Mojo Master Zihi. And that can kind of mess with your plans because you need 10 mana to do that. Well, now you need six or seven. And seven's manageable because 10, if you have to wait four turns and fatigue out while taking face damage from whatever they're throwing at you, you pretty much lose at that point. You just sit there and you draw cards and, and you draw into fatigue and you feel terrible. Here, you take one, one turn's worth of fatigue damage, which generally you can handle. You have so much armor game in this, armor gain in this deck that you can live through one turn and then turn seven, then you can do the whole combo. Um, giving the, the Anaconda rush means that as long as you can trade it into something with three attack or higher, all you need is one naturalize. Um, very often you can save, uh, an extra removal spell. And we'll talk about that. I'm going to do a whole guide to the deck because I've been playing it with around a 65 to 70% win rate. I started at rank five, four stars. I just cracked rank two. Today, this very well could be another one, another case where it works until it doesn't, but I've been really enjoying it, and I've been kind of getting into a groove with it, and I know we've been talking about it in the Discord, which you can find at discord.offcurve.com, 
um, about some things, and, and I've actually even been playing on my phone and, and been able to manage it okay. So I know that some people are, are looking for tips with this deck, so I, since I've been having a fairly decent success rate with it, I want to talk about it, because there are a lot of little ways that you can screw up with this deck, and it's, it's very technical. Uh, you need to be thinking a lot about what phase of the game that you're in, and also like what you're going to be doing and have a plan for how your next couple of turns are going to go. And if you just try to, like, it looks like when you're playing against it, that it's just at auctioneer, draw a million cards and you win. And it is not that way. Um, there are a lot of little micro decisions that are happening in those turns and leading up to those turns that can determine whether you win or lose. So we're going to talk about that. Um, just a couple of um, just kind of administrative things. So um, you know, as you know, I've been running the ads in the, in the show for a while. I was asked by, um, Pug Ugly in, who is a new member to the Discord, if there's any way to, um, to support the show directly with the, other than just, you know, listening to the ads. And I, I've been pretty clear that I don't want to do a Patreon for a number of reasons, but, um, Anchor does actually have something built in where you can support me directly through the podcast. So I'll have a link in the show notes to that. Um, that you can go and click on. And if you, if that's something that you want to do, no pressure, like I'm not expecting anybody to pay me for this. So, I mean, I, I'm realistic in knowing that this is not going to replace my full-time job. Um, this is just kind of something that I do for fun as a hobby on the side, but you know, I, I've gotten that from enough people that I, I've heard that more than once. So if that's something that you want to do, and again, no pressure. And if you need, if you do it and then you decide to stop, no worries. I'm not, which is the reason, one of the reasons I'm not doing a Patreon. Cause I don't want to, I, I don't want to commit to anything more than I'm already doing. Um, just to be realistic, like I want to make sure that this is sustainable and I know that I can stretch myself too thin. So I'm, I'm deliberately not doing a Patreon cause I don't want to promise anything that I have to pull back on it or say that, you know, we need to get certain X number of patrons to do um, you know, to, to do whatever, like, not that there's anything wrong with that. And, you know, I don't begrudge anyone doing that. I, that's not going to work for me because this is, I, I can't commit to doing anything else basically. So, um, you're basically just supporting me out of the goodness of your heart. I will be eternally grateful, but that that's basically the end of the, the transaction as far as that goes. Um, also really want to, I want to point you to top deck Kings, which is coming back. Cream puff is uh, both. I mean, this is news about two of the inspirations for the show. Um, Cream Puff was a, a big inspiration for this when I started, and he was a big help when I started out. He um, stopped doing Top Deck Kings back in October, and he just relaunched it. Um, he has his first episode of season two, uh, for, first full episode, I should say, up this week. So if you enjoy what I do, uh, Cream Puff is an incredibly smart player, and he's a nice guy, and he's someone you should go over and support and go, go subscribe or resubscribe to if you didn't know that he was back. And I want to say a huge congratulations to Blister Guy in his 500th episode because, uh, you know, that's a huge, huge milestone. And, and anyone who's been following the um, the saga of this show knows that, uh, you know, Blister Guy was someone who helped me, uh, you know, the who was one of my coaches the first time I got to Legend and also was, um, you know, a big inspiration for what I'm doing for the show as well. And that actually, had, I actually asked him before I started doing this to make sure I wasn't going to be stepping on his toes. And of course he's the nicest person in the world. So he said, of course not, please do it. Um, and here we are 90 episodes later. So, um, but big congratulations to blister guy and 500 episodes. It's a huge, huge accomplishment. 
And if you're not listening to Walk to Work, what are you doing with your life? All right, so let's talk about the deck and what it's good against, what it's not good against, how, and then we'll get into how you play it and we'll get into some strategy. Because, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not completely straightforward, even though it looks it. And it, it is kind of difficult to play, but it, it's really rewarding when you get it to work. So the list is two Innervate, two Moonfire, two Pounce, two Barkskin, two Biology Project, one Earthen Scales, one Floop's Glorious Goop, Gloop, Gosh, that's still hard to say. Um, two Lesser Jasper Spellstone, two Naturalize, two Wild Pyromancer, two Wrath, one Acolyte of Pain, two Ferocious Howl, two Branching Paths, two Gadgetan Auctioneer, Stampeding Roar, Giant Anaconda, and Mechathun. So one thing that you notice is that most of the cards are four, cost four or less, except for the big swing cards that, that you need to drive the deck, which are the combo pieces and Gadgetan Auctioneer. And... What this, what I found, I thought that this was going to be worse than it is against aggro. And really, it's just Zoo that's been a huge problem. I haven't seen very much Rogue. This dunks on Odd Paladin. And I've been seeing a fair amount of Odd Paladin. But Wild Pyromancer is really, really good against Odd Paladin. And, and you have Naturalized to deal with the Frostwolf Warlord. And otherwise, you kind of can just hit a hit a pyromancer and keep it alive, and just keep clearing their board. And even a few procs off of wild pyromancer will kind of deal with it. And against anything slower than that, um, I've been seeing a fair amount of odd warrior. Um, been seeing some cloning gallery priest. Priest can be a little bit more challenging, just because they have psychic screen. But you can generally work around that. Um, and you know, I mean, wall priest is a little bit more challenging, just because they can put big things. Um, on your in your deck that you need to play and then get rid of, but again, you can just change tactics and start hitting them in the face with it. So against anything that wants to do its own OTK or wants to just grind you out, you can generally outrun them. You can get going very very quickly with this deck, and and the way I like to think about it is that you're going to play the game in three phases. And it's basically before, during, and after the first auctioneer. So prior to the first auctioneer, you're trying to kind of just sit there. And you want to do really as little as possible. You want, you're looking for, you'll, you'll draw with things like Ferocious Howl and, um, and Branching Paths if you have it. Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll take out a small minion with, with the, uh, the Wrath one damage that draws you a card. Um, just kind of trying to set up. If you're if you're getting rushed down by aggro, it's fine to use Wild Pyromancer and start burning off a couple of the spells to just keep bored. You're just trying not to die. So you want to get armor. You want to get cards. You want to find your Auctioneer if you don't already have it. And you want to try to set up a swing turn on six or seven. Because... Once you get to the auctioneer down, and, and sometimes it's even on five if you have like biology project and an innervate or something like that. Sometimes you can even get started on five. But once you get the first auctioneer turn, things snowball very, very quickly. And the thing that I found is that you, you kind of don't need to overreact to a board. Like there's a lot of, especially in the early game and, and in the mid game, 
you have to spend a lot of time thinking about how you get punished. Like, do you use one of your cards on a minion to remove it now? Or do you let that go and maybe try to get a little bit more value out of a wild pyromancer? Do you want to save that for the auctioneer turn since you're going to be going off with spells anyway and that'll draw you a card? Like, there's a lot of, like, back and forth trying to make sure that you're getting the most value out, especially in that early game. Like, but it's, if you're, if everything's going well, it's a lot of just, like, hero power pass. Um, you may have to plan to dump a card here or there if you're still looking for your auctioneer. But you really want to do as little as possible. All those cards get so much more valuable once you have the, get the gadget and auctioneer. Obviously, because you have six zero mana cards, you have um, you have two biology projects, which get you more mana. So do the so do the innervates. Um, actually, do you have do you have six or eight? I don't remember. It's a lot of zero mana cards, and so you can set up so that even if you're like on six mana, you can generally draw three or four cards. But you you typically want to be able to be able to play an auctioneer, and then even if it looks like you're going to die. If you can generate enough mana, you probably will be able to play enough spells to just deal with the board. So, once you get to the Auctioneer, you're obviously just going to start going off. And what you what you generally want to be doing with this deck is you want to be doing any sort of calculations that you need to be doing. If, you, if you're going to be doing complicated Wild Pyro interactions with, with spells... Um, or if you're going to need a certain things to go off in a certain order, you really want to be spending your opponent's turn figuring all that out. Because as soon as you know that it's a Gadgets and Auctioneer turn, you need to drop that immediately. You are going to need as much time as you possibly can get on that turn, because you will probably run out of time a lot of the time before you run out of cards. So what you're doing, and you'll just get better at this as you, as you go, right? A lot of it comes down to your APM. Your APM comes down to knowing the cards and instinctively knowing the situations. Um, you probably want to have a deck tracker with this deck. And the reason being, I'm going to get to the end game in a moment why that's important, but you're going to need to keep track of what you have left to work with and what you should expect to draw. And so that can sometimes be very difficult, especially when you're throwing out spells in rapid fire fashion so if you can have a, de a deck tracker going you're going to want to but in general what you're going to do is you're going to start rapid fire throwing out your spells you want to make sure you're sequencing it so that you don't run out of mana um floop's glorious gloop is wonderful for this it's one mana it draws you a card and then every time that a minion dies you get one more mana so you can throw a, a, a moon fire at something kill it and then get one more mana to be able to play something else biology project remember you pay one but you get two so you end up with two at the end of it um you do need to be careful for a couple things you want to be really careful if you're playing um ferocious howl or you're drawing with the wrath because you can overdraw yourself and you want to make sure if you're doing that it's not always the worst thing in the world but you want to make sure that you're not going to overdraw one of your combo pieces and ultimately, what's important is that you're saving enough for the combo to be left over. You can't just throw everything out willy-nilly. Um, you need to be saving at least one naturalize at minimum to be able to complete the combo. Now, what's nice about this version of the deck is that you don't need... If the board state 
supports it, you don't need more than that. You can play the Stampeding Roar, which you're never, you're almost never going to play for tempo. There's probably an edge case where you have Stampeding Roar and Anaconda, but not Mechathune in your hand before the, before the end game. But I've never seen a situation where I've wanted to do that. But I guess theoretically you could use that as a five damage removal, and if you're if you're in a real emergency type situation. But typically, as long as your opponent has something with three or more attack on the board that you can hit with with the Anaconda, all you need is the Naturalize. But you do need a way to kill off the Mechathun. Um, as you're go as you're drawing through the deck, what you need to be it, and one of the things that that I made a mistake very early on, and a lot of people, when they're starting to getting started with this deck, will make this mistake, and it's a very easy mistake to make, which is that they'll draw through all of their spells, and they'll just use up all of their mana in one turn, and then end up with an empty deck, and all of a sudden, they'll have like three or four minions that they have to work through, and it takes them three or four turns to get to the end game. Remember that you need to kill off all of your minions before you can go, before you can OTK. So what this means is that you're sometimes going to have to take less value from a Gadgets and Auctioneer in order to... And you don't need to protect them. Like, typically, it should not take you more than two Auctioneer turns, along with things like Ferocious Howl and, and Branching Paths, to get through your deck. So you don't need to worry about protecting your Auctioneer. Very often, good players will leave it up if you've drawn through enough of your deck because they think that it's going to... Um, hamstring you. So you don't really need to worry about protecting them. Um, I would say that Barkskin is not a target for Gadgetan Auctioneer unless you're very early in the game. Because again, you need to be able to kill it off. And you may not be able to trade it off. Your opponent may not kill it for you. So you need to be thinking as you're going through this, how do I get rid of my two Auctioneers? The rest of the, the, rest of the minions, like the, the Wild Pyromancers pretty much deal with themselves. And the Acolyte will will just kind of die anyway but the auctioneers can sometimes be difficult to remove for you and your opponent won't always help you with it um do keep in mind in the early game before you get to the auctioneer turn as well one thing i didn't mention is that um you can use wild pyromancer and acolyte as like a, a you know like a poor man's auctioneer like, you can put those two down and then throw a couple of Moonfires and Pounces and cycle through your deck that way. So don't forget that that's a thing you can do. Um, typically, you're not going to go nuts with it, but you can you can definitely draw through a fair amount of your deck. But So your goal through the mid-game is you want to be using up all of your mana generators and all of your, all of your, your cards that don't do direct damage, um, that don't hard remove a minion. You want to use your pounces. You want to use your innervates. Um, it, you you want to use probably one naturalize. Sometimes you'll leave both over, and then you you do, you can use your wraths. Um, you want to make sure that you can do three damage to the anaconda, which means that you want to save a wrath or or a spellstone with at least one one upgrade, and you want to have a naturalize for um, for mechathune. Now, if you can trade, if if it so happens that you can just trade off the Anaconda or you don't need it, then fine. Then you, you use it anyway, or you just do whatever extra damage spells you have. You can just sink into the Mechathune before you naturalize it. Um, but you need to have at least that one naturalize and a way to deal with the Anaconda if your opponent doesn't leave you a minion to trade into. That's really important. So you got to be paying attention 
and, and this is where it gets difficult in this deck, as your your snap playing spells, you need to be paying attention. Do I have a naturalized left? If I have I drawn any of them? If you have played one of them and that happens, then you need to have a second way. You need to have the second one in your deck. You need to not use that unless it's an emergency. And if it is an emergency, then you need to be thinking about um, how am I going to kill this off? Then you need to save like a combination of spells like Spellstone, Wrath, Moonfire, which you can do in this deck. That's the nice thing is that you, if you do end up in a situation where you do have to use both naturalizes, as long as you're careful, you can save a collection of those damage dealers to, um, to kill off the Mechathune. You don't need the naturalize. Or if you get geisted. If you get geisted early, you can and you save some of those. You can, um, or if you're expecting a, de- a geist for that matter, um, you can you can do that and you can still get your combo off. Whereas if you have to do it in the ten mana world, then you can't. Um, so that's the mid game. But the auctioneer turns. There's usually two of them. They're usually a lot of activity, and you have to be thinking a lot. And and once you start getting down to like five cards or so in your deck, just Figure out a way to kill off your auctioneer. Even if you have to spell stone it yourself, make sure that you're able to kill it off. It's not the worst thing in the world if you take fatigue damage. You can usually take like four or five turns worth of fatigue damage. Not not turns, but draws worth of fatigue damage with all the armor gain that you're going to generate. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you want to make sure that you're planning for that as your deck's starting to get low. Remember that you still can and have to, uh, in the case of, um, of Ferocious Howl, Ferocious Howl is still going to draw you cards, you're still going to have those draws at the end of the game. So you can use those or branching paths one turn before um, before you go for the OTK to drain off the rest of your deck. You don't necessarily have to auctioneer, but you can get yourself into trouble if, you, and if you're going against an ag- aggressive deck and your auctioneer is still on the board and you're taking fatigue damage as you're trying to get rid of it. Okay, so we've gotten our auctioneer. We've... Um, you know, we've lived this long, we've gained a whole bunch of life, we've gotten to the end game, and we've been good about getting rid of all of our minions. Remember, you need to you need to end the game with an empty deck, an empty board, and an empty hand, which means that all of your minions need to die. And you may have to kill them yourself, so make sure to hold back removal or play a wild pyromancer early to do that. And and you know, damage your minions so that you can you can get through to that. And then you need to play off the rest of your spells. So, once you get to the end game, you should have a Stampeding Roar, uh, a Giant Anaconda, Mechathune, a na- at least one Naturalize, and then, and then a few other, like, leftover spells. Um, what you're going to do at that point is you're going to Stampeding Roar. If you can trade it off into a minion, great. If not, also fine. Then you kill it with whatever spell you've held back for that, either a Wrath or a second Naturalize or, a, um, or an upgraded Spellstone. That summons the Mechathune. You play out whatever spells you have left in your in your hand. Um, this is the time to play Barkskin if you have them left over. Um, you can also play Barkskin on your opponent's minions to keep something with three attack alive. That's something that is kind of a next level strat that your opponent really won't understand what the hell's going on, and that's fine. But you can... Uh, Barkskin something that has three attack that you want to stick around, especially if it has taunt, so that they can't put a taunt up behind it, or in front of it, rather. And then you can trade off the giant anaconda into that. But ultimately, you want Mechathune to be the last thing to die. The last two cards you should play, or the last card you should play should be the Naturalize, which is targeting Mechathune, and then you win. I've lost enough games, and I'm going to say it again. 
you need to stampede more before you anaconda, I've made this mistake and it's embarrassing as hell. So, and it's, it's easy to do because you've got a million things that you're thinking about how you're going to use up the rest of your spells. And the one thing that's automatic is like the beginning of that, of that sequence. And it's very easy to be thinking about how you're going to kill the anaconda and just grab it and not grab the stampeding roar. So make sure you're playing the stampeding roar to summon the anaconda. Don't play the anaconda on its own. Um, but ultimately that should, and that, that will obviously end the game at that point. You need to have a plan and, and players haven't really caught on to this yet. I imagine once this gets a little bit more popular, people will be figuring out that the way that you, you beat this version of the deck, especially against players who haven't planned for it, is that you put a small taunt in the way that doesn't kill off the anaconda. And then you, um, and then you just kind of sit there, but you, this is where a lot of players will lose the game because you haven't, you've gone so ham with the gadgets and auctioneers that you either have to spend the, the removal spells on the auctioneer and then you have nothing left for the Mechathun or for the Anaconda, or you just use them all up on the, on the auctioneer turns because you've just got, kind of got carried away and then you don't have anything left at the end. So do pay attention to that. As you get down lower, start thinking, do I have a way to kill the Anaconda? Do I have a naturalized from the Mechathun? As long as you're following that and you're just keeping that in mind, right? And that means kind of keeping track either with a tracker or in your head, what removal spells, you don't have to remember everything, but you need to know how many naturalizes you've used and you need to know how many spell stones and wraths you've used. And from there, I mean, you could also spell stone Moonfire if you need to, that, that's like a little bit, but you're, you're very likely to use the Moonfires to, um, in, in order to proc the, the auctioneer. If for whatever reason, you've had to use the Stampeding Roar and Anaconda for removal, then you need to, you need to hold back one of your innervates because you're going to need to actually, well, you probably don't even need to hold back an innervate necessarily. Well, no, if you use Stampeding Roar, you will. If you use Stampeding Roar, then you need to hold back an innervate because then the traditional way that you win is Mechathun, innervate, naturalize, but you can't do anything else that turns. So you're going to need to dump the rest of your hand out in order to do that. This is the other reason that this, this version is better. The, the, me the straight Mechathun version telegraphs hard when you're going to lethal them. So you'll, you'll first of all catch some opponents off guard, but you'll also kind of keep them guessing a little bit as to when you're actually going to be able to kill them. Does your opponent have another turn or not? At that point, it probably doesn't matter. You've probably got 40 or 50 health and they're probably not killing you. But it's still relevant that you have five cards in hand and you can dump all of them because of the Stampeding Roar. So that's why I like this version a lot better than the, the regular normal Mechathune version. So just a couple of notes about Mulligans because that's kind of a, 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 you know, that's a little bit harder to grasp too. Um, generally against aggro decks, I want to hold, you're always holding Auctioneer. You're always holding um, Ferocious Howl. Ferocious Howl is fantastic in, against aggro, and it's card draw against control. So Ferocious Howl, you want to keep 100% of the time. Auctioneer, you want to keep one of them 100% of the time. If you get two of them, throw one back. Um, against aggro, you're looking for things to help you hold board early. So you're looking for Wild Pyromancer. You're looking for Wrath. You may hold a Naturalize against something like an Evenlock or something that 
like a like a, a rogue that may just create a giant Edwin and you need to remove a, a huge thing out of nowhere. That's that's reasonable to do. But generally you're looking for wild pyro, you're looking for um, some spells to go along with it. If you have a wild pyro, you can keep a bark skin because that helps keep it alive. Um, and otherwise you're just kind of looking for you're looking for those types of things that will help you keep board. Against control, you want your card draw. So you want Acolyte of Pain. You want Ferocious Howl. You want Branching Paths. You always throw back the combo pieces. You always throw back, um, like, Innervates and Biology Projects and anything like that. Because that doesn't really... You're going to draw into those. You don't really need to hold those. You could hold a Spellstone against Aggro as well. But just kind of think about, what do I need to do in order to get to my Gadgets and turn? My Auctioneer turn? Do I need to draw to make sure that I find it? Like, if you don't have an Auctioneer then it, that prioritizes your, your draw cards like spreading like uh, branching paths that much more. Um, if you do have an auctioneer, then you can just kind of go and start looking for pieces to go with it. But again, keeping in mind, do I need to live long enough to be able to play those or not? That's, that's an important thing that you need to be keeping in mind. So, you know, think about what type of deck you're playing against a hunter. I'd probably go the aggro route against something like a warrior or a priest, I'd probably just be looking for card draw. Against a, against a slower deck, you just want to kind of outrace them. If you can draw two with a branching paths, then that's two fewer cards that you need to find auctioneer answers for. And, and the earlier you can draw with branching paths, if you can use that on like a turn four, then you're not having to spend most of a gadget sand turn or the turn, a post-auctioneer turn, just burning off um, branching paths. But keep in mind, you're probably going to need to spend like two to three turns after the second auctioneer turn. Um, go, sorry, there's like a kid popping wheelies right in front of me and I nearly hit him. Um, you're gonna need to spend two or three turns after the auction, after the, the auctioneer turns, just burning off some of those draw cards. Cause you're going to end up with some branching paths and some ferocious howls. And you're going to need to burn those off before you can, um, go off with the, with the Mechathune just because it, it's going to be too much mana. But one of those turns is usually fine. Like, at this point, you're you're gaining, like, you know, 8 to 12 armor from one of those cards. Like, maybe you're taking 1 or 2 fatigue damage from a Ferocious Howl, but it's fine. Like, you should be gaining so much armor at that point that unless they have a huge board... And this is why Zoo can be a problem, because you can't just... You can't necessarily remove everything, because they buff, they buff their minions a lot. But, um, but you can, as long as they don't have a huge board, you can generally survive one or two turns of them just hitting you in the face before you can go off for lethal. Um, against Zoo specifically, and, and Zoo and um, basically any deck that runs Fungalmancer, you want to clear as best as you can on turn four. You really do not want to let them get a Fungalmancer down if you can help it early, because the, the amount of damage, the amount of minions that you can clear with a Wild Pyro turn is usually reasonable for those types of decks. But if you have to clear all the health from a Fungalmancer, you're going to have a really hard time with that. So do be aware going into your turn five, seeing what you can clear. And it's okay to use some of your spells. Like, you don't need to save them all for a gadget and auctioneer turn. You're going to draw plenty. Don't worry. Um, you, you'll be surprised once you start getting into it, like, how much you can draw. And you really do have a lot of flexibility in the early turns to use some of those, some of those cheap cards, even like a pounce or whatever, just to remove some problematic minions and save yourself some trouble later on. Like, if you're keeping the board reasonably clear, and then you get into a decent auctioneer turn and, and get a couple, of, uh, a couple of points of ramp, you'll generally be just fine. 
All right, and that's it for me for this week. Um, as always, you can find the show notes at um, at offcurve.com. You can follow the show's account at offcurve. You can follow me on Twitter at Wicked Good. Um, subscribe or just follow the uh, the Twitch account at uh, twitch.offcurve.com. Come and join our Discord at discord.offcurve.com. We had a lovely discussion about Radiohead today. Um, in addition to talking about the cards, and I'm kind of giving some more hot takes about the cards in between meetings when they're, uh, when they're revealed. So come hang out in discord as well. There's a really great group of people. You'll, you'll be, you'll feel welcome. And if not, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure that it happens. So don't worry about that. Like, please do come and hang out. Um, you can support the show through, um, through that support button that will be in the, either in your podcast client of, of note or, um, on the website at offcurve.com. There'll be a link there as well. And, um, please do leave reviews on iTunes as well. That's another way that it, you know, just as important, if not more so, um, than, you know, just handing me money is making sure more people know about the show and the reviews on iTunes really help with that. Um, got a lovely review from Electric Mick, um, which is a five-star review from Australia, uh, who says this podcast always gives me some interesting food for thought about Hearthstone. Not necessarily a podcast that pl- says play X minion on Y turn, more a one man discussion on factors in and around the game. Steve has a wealth of knowledge and experience in a number of areas. He's able to coalesce into a coherent viewpoint that helps you understand the game from a much wider perspective from data engineer to, to legend rank player to caster analyzer, father at all around community. Good guys. Steve comes to the game from all angles and his positivity is always a pleasure to spend time with. And, and, uh, thank you so much. And, and Electric Mick was just on uh, on the Happy Hearthstone as well, and you should go listen to that episode as well. It was it, it was a lovely discussion about art, which um, we really don't get to talk about a lot, and you know we don't really get to appreciate the art on the cards, especially when we're reviewing them in, in a short period of time. So that's a really great episode that you should go listen to, um, and it'll help get you subscribed to the Happy Hearthstone card reviews. Um, but ultimately, that's that's all I got for you this week. Um, hopefully, we'll have something special for you next week. Keep tuned, stay tuned for that. Um, if you want to see Mechathun Druid, I would imagine, unless it stops working, I will probably be playing that on stream Sunday night. So um, come hang out with that. And um, other than that, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is Wednesday, August, April, April 3rd. 2019 we are six days away from the release of rise of shadows we are six days away from a set rotation we are six days away from never having to see baku again in standard anymore ever and i could not be more excited um i so as you know and and i guess we'll start we'll start with kind of the general announcement type stuff um because we're going to get into the meat of the episode pretty quickly um as you know, we're not, if you're expecting a card review, if this is your first time with me, first of all, welcome. Um, second of all, know that I do not do the card reviews on this particular podcast. Um, however, if you are of in- interested in hearing what I think about all 135 cards, fear not. Uh, I do, I am the, the um, regular recurring guest for uh, over at the Happy Hearthstone. And we do all of the card reviews there over two, three-hour episodes, usually three-plus-hour episodes where we talk about all the cards in more detail than you probably require. Um, So I am not going to overstay my welcome and talk about those cards here in the same kind of detail because uh, that would probably take a whole commute and I'd probably get sick of it and then there's no point in you listening to that. So 
What are we going to do today, you may ask? Well, we just got the reveal stream today. And so I am going to talk about some cards that we are not going to talk about in detail because they are not in the new set. They are cards that may be new to us because they haven't really seen widespread play with the Year of the Mammoth cards. So we're going to talk about some cards that maybe some sleepers, maybe some cards that you may have forgotten existed. Um, some cards that maybe building blocks to go along with all the new toys that we're getting in a week. Um, before that, uh, you know, I didn't make legend this month. I, I wasn't really trying too hard to be honest. I had, I was at PAX East this weekend. And so I knew that, you know, not having gotten there prior to this weekend was not likely to happen. Um, I was, I was too tired when I wasn't there. I was there Friday and Sunday. Um, and, and I knew that it still wasn't going to happen, but I was able to take my girls there for the first time and, 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 well, two of them for the first time. One of them got to go with me when I was speaking one year. Um, and they really, really enjoyed it. Um, they came home with an Undertale plush and a Bomberman shirt and a Minecraft necklace. And I got a, um, an N64 shaped dock for my Switch to go in the office that I stream from. And I also got a pop-up green screen for my chair. It's like a it's called web around and it's basically a, um, it's like a pop-up green screen that straps on to your, to a gaming chair. And so I was streamed with that Sunday night and I was able to use a green screen for the first time. I really like it. I, I have to kind of tweak some settings to make sure that it's all going to work right, but really happy with the way that that's turning out. So, um, you know, if, when you, when you are watching me stream in the future, it should be a little bit nicer. Um, did get to like rank two, four stars was my four or five stars. I think five stars. Cause it took me one game to get to legend or not to legend. It took me one time to get to one game to get to rank five. Um, once the, once the month rolled over, which was fine, right? Like as long as I'm at five, I'm okay. Um, I was using uh race even lock towards the end of the season, uh, along with some cloning gallery priest. I wasn't really just getting anywhere. I didn't really have the heart in me to, to really grind. Cause I know I'm going to be playing a lot of Hearthstone in a week. So I really didn't want to overdo it and, and just kind of burn myself out. Um, what I'm doing now, since I'm at the floor and that's really all I care about, I'm trying to climb a little bit in wild. I found uh, Team Rank Star has a uh, wild meta report that they just put out that said that Mind Blast Priest in wild is a cromulent deck. So I'm trying that. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, you know, I mean, Control Priest is my jam. So I've been enjoying that and I miss Draken at Operative. So that's that's fun. And I've been trying to kind of, I let myself decay down to 12, so I'm trying to climb back up so I can try some wild stuff at some point too. Uh, you know, I like to be in the five, in the rank five range, but it takes a lot of work to get there. Um, also, if you are in the Boston or New England area um, and you are looking for a pre-release to go to, I am planning on being at the one in Burlington. There, some of the Microsoft stores are doing pre-releases and I'm planning to go to the one in Burlington. Rumor has it that Ray C is also going to be there. I, I, we were talking about it. I I got to meet him, um, on Friday at PAX East and, uh, we were talking about that and I don't know if he's announced anything yet, but we're kind of, that sounds like it's the closest one to him too. So if you're, but I, I am planning to be there on Sunday. It's like from one to three, I think at the Microsoft store in the Burlington mall. So if that is something that you are interested, come on down. We're hoping to get a decent number of people because um, there's not really much of a much of a Hearthstone scene in, in New England. It's weird, but maybe this will turn into something. And you can get Nemzi if you don't already have Nemzi. So, and I don't already have Nemzi, so I'm excited for that. Um, other than that, uh, you know, let's let's talk about let's talk about some cards. 
Uh, we're, you know, this, this meta is uh, kind of a lame duck meta, and I'm pretty excited after some of the stuff I saw at the reveal stream today, so let, let's just talk about that. 